We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're answering listener questions on Rotoviz Radio. Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We're two of the owners here at Rotoviz. Curtis, we are once again answering some listener questions. I am glad and pumped to see that uh, people have realized this is something we should continue on with. We've just had questions pouring in. It's awesome, man. Um, we're not live streaming this episode, but I'm, I'll ask you. I got a listener question for you, Dave. Um, I'm. This this is a really stressful thing too, by the way. So for somebody with curly locks like you, it's not something. <laughs> now you have different problems than I have. Okay. Yep. Now listen, I'm trying to train my hair to part in the opposite direction. You know how hard that is. Like I'm looking up like blow drying techniques. Like what kind of wax should I use? Um, it's just fu- like I'm growing it out longer than I typically have it, and so. I, if I don't cut it, I would be fighting against a cowlick going in the wrong direction, if that makes sense. Yep. So I got to train it the other way that I would do it from when it's short. And so, I, you know, you, you see me more than almost anyone except my coworkers uh, and my day job or my wife. So, you know, at this stage in the game, I, I, I'm putting on a, a hat backwards after blow drying to try to get the part line where it needs to go. And then, and then I'm just chilling. So... What do you think? Is it laying correctly? Do I still have room to run? Uh, Give me some instant feedback here, Dave, on this listener question. Yes. So I would say that by all accounts, I think your hair is looking, you know, fantastic. 
I think it's laying just as it should. I have zero experience with trying to get your hair to part one direction uh, as somebody with extremely curly hair. So I can't give you much yes. advice, but I would say that I think, you know, whatever you're doing, stick with it, uh, you know, but and it, from from what I have learned from my wife when trying to do my daughter's hair, generally the answer seems to be to go with more product than less. So maybe you just need to put more product in there when you're working all of this through. And see, that's the reason for going longer with the hair because I eventually wanted to use less product. Okay, mm. and so if you get more, you know more longer hair, more weight to it, you can use less product. The, you know, the blow drying should just keep it where it needs to go. And so, any anyway, just a couple, just a couple life tips for everybody. Um, so uh, if you're if if you're blow drying your hair uh, and and you want to add a little volume, put put the little flat extender on the end and just put it right on the roots. It's going to go where you want it to go. Use a nine row brush, Dave, a nine row brush. That's, that is a pro tip right there from the commander for you. Uh, if, if you're a man, if you're a man looking for a hairbrush, I recommend the Denman. The Denman is fantastic. It's, it's like less than 20 bucks on Amazon and it's all the rage. Uh, it's all the, the rage in Europe. So Denman nine row brush, and then the wax that I prefer to use is Oribe. Uh, it's a little pricey, uh, but it's very light. It almost makes your hair feel like you just got back from the ocean. Uh, you know, Dave, you get that little sheen to it. And your hair just always acts a little bit different at the beach, doesn't it? Um, and so, yeah. So, the, yeah. And, hey, we're just letting you in behind the scenes a little bit um, here at the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it gets better than that for a generic quick drop, Dave. <laughs> wow. Calling out the drops. Well, anyways, <laughs> the final thing I'll say on that, I was not expecting us to start off with that. I have actually never brushed my hair, so I can't even take in any of this oh information. Goodness. Like, I've, oh I've combed I'm gonna it. I'm going to send you one. I'm going to send you a Denman, Dave. Oh it, not, it might not work for your hair. I'm going to send you I one. Appreciate okay? I'm, I'm doing a, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> okay. I, right. I, I don't I'm gonna be on, You got to carry the show for like three minutes. I'm going to mute. I'm going to mute myself. All right. Well, I hope then that you are still, you know, have the wherewithal, which I'm sure you will, to listen <laughs> to this listener question from Adam S. A second time. Oh, I just looked to the camera, but my camera is not working tonight. So Curtis can't see that. But Adam S. has now called us twice. Hey, uh, oh, name it, man. is Adam S. calling back again. Uh, just wanted to see what your guys' thoughts were around tight ends and going into the future. You know, Kittle, Kittle, Kelsey, Waller, what could be the next ones of those? What your projections are going forward of, of, of the, the tight ends? Like, where would Pitts, Troutman, you know, we're hearing a lot about those guys. Where, where would those guys be in the future? And, and what do you see as the, the horizon for the rookie that we Thanks again. See you guys. All right. Awesome. Adam, we really appreciate the question as we appreciate all questions. Curtis, I think that what we should try to do is maybe we look ahead and we try to think about who the top tier tight ends will be in five years. Now, that's a super aggressive timeline for projecting every, you know, projecting anything. But let's try to frame it in that way. I am going to very quickly read through the top 18 in Dynasty ADP right now at the tight end position just to make sure that everybody listening has that full, complete picture of who some of these players that could get in this conversation are. Currently stands Travis Kelsey, George Pitt, George Kittle, Kyle Pitts, Darren Waller, TJ Hawkinson, Mark Andrews, Noah Fant, Dallas Goddard, Irv Smith, Mike Gusecki, 
Logan Thomas, Robert Tunyon, Evan Ingram, Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, Cole Komet, Tyler Higby, and Adam Troutman. I think we're probably going to both agree on this. Maybe that TJ Hawkinson is one of those names that has very good chance of, of being in that list of top tier tight ends five years from now. Or do you think that that's misguided? Okay. okay. So listen, Adam, I, I'm on to what you're trying to do here. You're trying to get me to do my crystal ball rankings. Um, not in an official episode of the Dynasty Command Center podcast. So, hey, listen, I'll give you a point for creativity there. We're going to run those shows back. Um, we're going we're gonna to do them for, you know, all the positions again this year. Probably have Ryan McDowell and Rich Rebar, Sean and Scott Barrett back for that again. I'm going to have to get Dave involved. So, listen, I appreciate the way you're asking this question, but I also don't appreciate you trying to trick me into doing it when you want me to do it. Um, so, so, okay, so with the tight ends, so here's the thing. Five years from now, I mean, five years from now, um, all quarterbacks might be forced to throw with their left hand. I mean, the league could be so different. Uh, the players could be so different. That is really, really far out. So I, I agree, Dave. It's really kind of just like, well, who are those next guys? And for me, it's more like 12 months at most that I would really want to look out. I agree. Hawkinson's in a good spot. He's in a good spot for multiple reasons. Uh, entering year three. Um in a different situation where now a lot of the wide receiver talent is gone. Kenny, Kenny Galladay is gone. Marvin Jones is gone. Who else are they going to throw the ball to? Uh, really looks like a funnel setup for Hawkinson there. So love that suggestion. Um, I, I know that it's a crowded room in Denver, um, but I've talked a lot about this the last couple of months, Dave. I, I really like Noah Fant's upside. I, I do think that that team will be better if he's one of the top two pass catching options on the team. They have a lot of talented wide receivers, but if they can force that mismatch uh, down the seam, you know, we look across the NFL, the teams that have success down the seam, intermediate and deep, they're just so difficult to play because you can occupy the safety. You can move that tight end across the formation or, you know, manipulate, do some uh, funny things with the tight end and your slot man, especially if you have a talented slot guy. Um, and it just becomes very, very difficult. So I really, really like Noah Fant on talent um, and potentially on opportunity. If, if that team can get the quarterback situation figured out, really it could be sky's the limit for, for a player like that. Troutman uh, is an interesting name. Um, very, very athletic. I think had he been in this class where people were more focused on the tight end position in general, especially who is that number two, yep. I think he would have been right there with Friermuth, uh, and, and in terms of after Kyle Pitts, like in the normal area where we would draft rookies, where would Troutman be? I think that's where he would be. Um, the, the change of the guard in New Orleans at quarterback complicates things there a little bit, but um, good player to speculate on. Definitely don't feel comfortable saying he would be in the top tier that far out uh, just because we haven't really seen too much yet. Um, you, you know, I, I mean, geez, I, I honestly, like five years from now, I think we're still going to be talking about uh, George Kittle. He's going to be like Travis Kelsey's age uh, around that time. Um, I think Kyle Pitts, uh, in particular, you have to feel you know pretty solid about being a, a top three to four guy five years out with how much talent he has. Although it does get a little scary. That's probably post Matt Ryan era. We're, we we talked last episode, Dave, about Julio Jones moving on. So Atlanta is going to be a totally different situation five years from now for sure. Um, so it's kind of hard to project what a player will do that far out. There's not really any other names that I that I'm super. Uh, that, that I'm super like really on in terms of tight ends and really wanting to 
to have there. It's either the guys that are at the top now, um, the very, very small handful that we've already mentioned in Hawkinson, Fant, and Pitts. And then after that, I mean, I'm not really trying to stack my my team with any guys in particular. Irv Smith, I think I heard you mention, Dave. That's just the last guy I'll, I'll riff on here. You know, perhaps with Adam Thielen looking like his uh, most efficient days are are behind him. Um, maybe there could be a changing of the guard there. Kyle Rudolph left. Irv Smith's certainly going to have the highest snap uh, percentage uh, of his career in, in Minnesota this season. So, you know, maybe maybe Minnesota makes that transition to featuring the tight end a little bit more, uh, but we still haven't really seen significant volume for Irv Smith yet. Um, uh, so, so that feels like a, a lot of projection. Um, besides Hawkinson, is there another name that is really high for you? No, not really. I was hoping that maybe you could pick somebody out that I had been overlooking. Like I mentally went through the exercise of trying to make a case for Troutman or maybe even Cole Komet, but there wasn't enough there for me to point to yet. Um, And really with what there is now, it's probably easier for me to go against them, even though, you know, and they haven't been in the league that long at this point. So I guess outside of Hawkinson, Kittle, I think definitely could be their pits. I definitely feel will be the only other player I can make a strong case for is probably Noah Fant. Um, so while I'd like to be able to look ahead and put some guys into that camp, even looking out like two years, it's, it's pretty hard at this point. So I would say that probably the best answer of the one other player that's going to be in there is a guy that I am not that familiar with yet. That is, you know, maybe a junior this year in college that Travis may would be able to tell me about. All right. So we had one other question come in that I wanted to talk about on this show. This is one right up your alley, Curtis. This is a very hardcore dynasty question. Uh, I will play it, then I'll try to summarize it for everybody at home to give you a chance to uh, think through what uh, the correct answer to this one should be. Guys, this is Rusty from Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, We are in a 12-team PPR uh, dynasty league where you start three wide receivers and you actually have two flexes as well. And we just added two taxi spots this year. And so anybody that was drafted last year um, could be eligible to put in those spots since we just opened them up for obviously any of the rookies this year. And I just wonder if you guys could talk about the strategy of selecting people for those taxi spots. Um, and, you know, if you want to select somebody maybe just based off of where you drafted in your rookie draft or what their potential is in the offense that they got drafted into. Um, but for my lineup specifically, I have um, Jalen Rager, Brian Edwards, uh, Jalen Waddle. Trey Sermon, Rondale Moore, and Ferris Marshall that I could all use for those two taxi spots. So if you guys could just talk about taxi spot strategy a little bit, that'd be great. Thanks. Bye. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate this question coming in. This is a really, really cool one because I think taxi spots are something that we have not talked about yet. And I don't know if Matt and I ever really talked about it at any great length. So Curtis, let's approach this. We'll get to his player-specific piece about this. But let's just think about in general, I like the point that he had about how much you should be reacting to the player's landing spot versus the player that they actually are when considering your taxi squad and then maybe any general other thoughts that you have on taxi squads. Yeah, so landing spot analysis, I think usually serves just to confuse people from what they originally thought about a player. I think landing spot is so much less important than than actually, you know, draft capital. It's not that it's unimportant, 
It's that Smashbot. I, I think probably the worst thing is that Smashbots aren't always Smashbots. Mm-hmm. You know, like I mean, I, I don't want to derail here, but you know, last year Clyde Edwards-Helaire went to the Smashbot, and then he didn't smash. Um, and you know, players go. You know, AJ Brown going to Tennessee a couple years ago, uh, he tumbled down boards to the point where he was a mid to mid late first round pick in many rookie drafts, and then you know the, the talent eventually you know, wore out. I mean, we, we saw it played out. We saw, you know, what that looks like now. Um, and so I, I really just don't think from a, like a taxi spot perspective, you're going to roster these players either way. Um, so taxi spot starts to matter. If you're like, if the player on your active roster has to get a contract assigned to them. And I, I'm not sure if you, if you covered that in your question or not, that, that would start to be important because, you know, you're not wanting to burn a contract year on a player, uh, while he's kind of figuring it out uh, if you weren't sure about, you know, the offense that he, you know, fits into or he looks like he's going to have to earn his way up the depth chart a little bit. So I understand that. But let's just assume a taxi spot is just an extension of your roster. The the way that I would uh, approach this with the players that you've got, uh, number one, if we can ever avoid taxiing a, in particular, a highly drafted rookie running back. I mean, we really never want to taxi a rookie running back. Um, we want rookie running backs to get their touches in year one uh, from, you know, all the great research by Blair and others on our site. You know, we know that, you know, young running backs tend to uh, be at their most efficient. And then we, we tend to see that fall off very quickly. Uh, so, we, you know, with the running back, we want to see a player produce right away. And, you know, that first one to three years is really where we get the most value. Uh, we certainly don't want to burn that year on the taxi now all the rest of your players you mentioned were wide receivers so i'll break it down this way jalen rager and brian edwards um these are players going into year two um i'm not going to taxi them again um because we're we're, if they're going to make a leap we're going to see some movement this year jalen rager had lots of reasons that he didn't bust out last season um he had the injury early in the year uh, the team was in shambles. Carson Wentz had totally lost the locker room and lost his ability uh, or confidence or something. And then, you know, the, the team had to change gears right in the middle of the season. Just a lot of things went wrong. We've seen players succeed in spite of that before. Uh, Terry McLaurin, the year before comes to mind, uh, was able to figure it out despite, you know, multiple different starting quarterbacks and even a coaching change. Um, so it's, you know, it's not that he shouldn't have done more than he did. But I think there's some good reasons for why Jalen Rager didn't bust out. And now, you know, perhaps he's the number two on the team. Jalen Hurts, it's it's officially his team now. Um, and so, you know, we expect to see Jalen Rager take some strides this year, or you can start to, you know, worry about whether, you know, he is going to live up to expectation. Brian Edwards uh, had ample opportunity to assert himself as a rookie in kind of a barren Las Vegas wide receiver room and and didn't do so um, last season. That that was highly disappointing. He had a little bit of camp buzz and then, you know, we just never really heard much from him again. Um, I, I want to see what he does quickly and I'd be, I'd be very happy to move on from him for, you know, essentially anything above like waiver dollars in most dynasty formats if he's not producing by midway through this year. So I'm not going to waste him on the taxi either. Um, the, the, the taxi guys, the guys that I would love to accrue some value uh, and not have to trade away their production would be from two of the three uh, rookie wide receivers that you've got. You've got Jalen Waddle, 
Rondell Moore, and Terrace Marshall. So let's look at these situations and see who might be most helpful to your team. Um, and then also, I think age starts to come into this um, because you you know you'd prefer not to burn a year of a wide receiver who's already closer to prime by age uh, versus a, a super young guy. So you know Rondell Moore goes to Arizona. I think it's going to be very exciting uh, to see what he can do with Kyler Murray and that offense. I think he's a very good fit for what they do. A lot of mesh concept, short route stuff can create on his own. However, they've got DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins. They've got AJ Green. Christian Kirk's still there. They've got a good pass catching back in Chase Edmonds. Uh, and Rondell Moore is, I mean, he's very, very young. Um, and with all the competition there, you know, I could see certainly wanting to, to stash him on taxi for a year. Terrace Marshall might might be better than than Robbie Anderson at what Robbie Anderson does um in Carolina I think that's going to be very interesting um and Joe Brady has the familiarity with Terrace Marshall from their days at LSU together and I think that's going to really probably show up uh, in his usage in Carolina they know what he's good at uh and then Jalen Waddle I mean you know the familiarity with Tua uh a, a Miami offense that needs to attack down the field more needs more explosive plays you know, I think Waddle and Will Fuller are just a, a pair of Ferraris that are going to make for a pretty exciting Miami situation this year. Um, and, you know, I think Devontae Parker should probably be pretty worried. Um, I, I think Rondell Moore has the toughest path to material volume this year. And he's also the youngest, so I don't mind letting him be seasoned a little bit. So I'm going to I'm gonna taxi Rondell Moore. And then, you know, I think it's a coin flip. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Between Waddle and Marshall, Dave, uh, I would probably lean towards uh, taxing Terrace Marshall over Waddle just because I think um, if I was ranking like path to relevance as in a rookie season, Marshall has a little bit tougher, uh, even with the familiarity with Joe Brady, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, a little bit tough, tougher to usurp uh, than what Jalen Waddle's got. Um, and, you know, what uh, uh, Preston Williams and De- Devontae Parker for that wide receiver two spot. Um, so that's the, that's the way I'd play it. I would keep Rager and Edwards on the roster. I would keep Sermon on the roster. I would keep, uh, I would definitely taxi more and I would probably taxi Terrace Marshall. Would you do this any differently, Dave? Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, 
only on Showtime. I think you hit upon everything that need to be hit upon there. Um, I agree that if I'm forced to taxi two of these guys, it's going to be more uh, and Marshall for the reasons that you said. So that definitely makes sense to me. We are going to move along, though. We are going to do now a quick little check in on price on three vets. Um, whose values may have changed now, given the draft, I would say that their values have changed. We talked a little bit about AJ Brown on last week or Tuesday's episode, right? Uh, the possibility of what it would look like if Julio Jones came in. We know that they brought in Josh Reynolds. They signed Des Fitzpatrick. We've talked about this a little bit, but give me a sense now that the dust has settled of how much you think, um, his value has risen um, as a point of note here only saw 106 targets last year. I think Corey Davis was around 95. So let's say that negative five means that a player's value was completely obliterated and five means it appreciated as much as it possibly could um, over the course of the last month or two. How much do you think his value went up? It's tough because I think a lot of his anticipated ceiling was already baked into his value from a dynasty perspective. I think people will certainly be much bolder in, in redraft uh, scenarios, which is where I think you'll really feel more of the value bounce here. So I would say something like, I don't know, three and a half to four. Um, the, the, the only reason I don't give it a five is, you know, I'm not sure what Tennessee's offense will be this year. They lose their offensive coordinator um, and they're going to have to reinvent themselves again. Um, and you know, Corey Davis emerging was probably, you know, I, I don't think early, uh, really helped AJ Brown, like get open. I don't think people were like saying, okay, we better shut down Corey Davis. Um, and that made things easier for AJ Brown, but I think especially down, you know, maybe even in, in the red zone in the scoring areas, uh, Corey Davis's, uh, size and ability down there, at least, you know, it, it didn't hurt AJ Brown. It's not like everyone assumed AJ Brown. Uh, was the only player that could get the ball down there. So I'll go three and a half to four, mostly for redraft purposes. He was already, you know, essentially a, a, a non-super flex. He was already a hands down round one startup pick and kind of a borderline uh, round one, two to early round two uh, startup pick in, in super flex formats. Uh, would you assign a different number, Dave? You know, I actually was originally thinking uh, like three or like two and a half maybe on this just because it's like there's only so much room to where right. he could go. Uh, now, if you were stepping into a role of becoming a team's number one wide receiver, then it's easier to take a big step forward. Um, but, you know, kind of to the points that you made, there's only so many more targets that he can pick up in this offense. And he's already rated for me so highly that I can't really push him up more. But I would say maybe, you know, a number of a three makes sense. Let's talk about a wide receiver, a younger guy, not yet an absolute stud. Maybe he could be. Does his value increase? And that's Michael Pittman, um, who we playing now with Carson Wentz. We'll call that situation volatile. We don't really know what to expect there. You're still going to have T.Y. Hilton. They have Paris Campbell. Uh, anyways, there is some room now for him to take a step forward. Do you think the fact that the Colts did not go in and grab uh, an exciting young wide receiver in this draft is, is a positive that can really push up his value? I think it's probably, I, I'll give him like, we're going negative five to five. I'll give him like a one. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't think he profiles as an actual 
wide receiver one uh, on a team. I think this type of offense where three players are going to be involved is the right scenario for him. I don't think he's a true alpha, Um, but the Colts are going to want, I mean, they're going to give him every chance to fail. I, I mean, remember they selected Michael Pittman before Jonathan Taylor. They were more willing to lose Jonathan Taylor than, than Michael Pittman. And, and when you hear the post-draft interviews uh, from the Colts front office, when they made that selection in 2020, they were just so excited. I mean, they they thought he was exactly uh, what they needed. Uh, of course, the you know the team is is reinventing itself again. Uh, Carson Wentz, you know, hopefully you know, returns to his former uh, effectiveness uh, in the, in this situation. But you know, I still think this is a team that's going to win on on solid defense, asserting itself on the ground, um, and then you know, kind of spreading the ball. And I think Paris, a healthy Paris Campbell is going to complicate things. They did bring back T.Y. Hilton. Um, I just don't, I don't know. I I could certainly be wrong. It's just very difficult for me to to envision any of these Colts receivers getting more than like, I don't know. I mean, that I guess that A.J. Brown number, that 106 targets, I mean, I'd be really shocked if any of them got more than that. Um, and so it's just difficult to really be super excited about 106 Carson Wentz targets for a player with so much less talent than AJ Brown. Yeah. This one doesn't really pump me up too much either. You know, it's one of those, it's like, yeah, they didn't go in and get anybody, but do I even really care if he wasn't that much on my radar to begin with? There's a lot of question marks, things that we don't know about. Um, And as far as him as a player, you know, I think he's okay, but you know, there's nothing that's going to get me super excited. So I guess I would assign this maybe a one, one and a half, um, you know, maybe for redraft purposes, because I don't think that many other people are going to be significantly impacted by this. I'm thinking maybe I sneak him onto a couple of my rosters towards the end of the draft just to see what happens. Um, but this player, I think, is a little bit more exciting. And that is Tua. Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Tonga-Vailoa. There's almost, there's almost, there's almost like a a really soft end in there. Um, so I, back when I used to, uh, <laughs> I always gave Travis a hard time about this. Travis May and I did about 50 episodes of the dynasty command center podcast together. And he's, you know, he, he's such just, uh, I don't know. He's so passionate about just knowing every single little detail about all of the, uh, the prospects that, you know, he goes and he learns the pronunciations and, you know, he knows he can get that, the Hawaiian thing down, like no one else's business. The one that really got me was DJ Yongalele. And you would never, uh, I, I don't know if you, if you have his name on your radar yet, uh, for Debbie purposes, he'll, he'll be a very highly coveted, uh, player in 2023 drafts. Dave, he's the next big thing at Clemson. But I mean, some of the, some of these vowel combinations, I mean, Lord help us. Uh, but yeah, for Tua, man, I am pumped about Tua. Uh, I was like really far out on him, but the, the team went out and they said, look, we're going to, we're going to give this guy every, every opportunity to succeed go out and get Will Fuller, go out and get a former teammate in Jalen Waddle. Um, they, they had a second option uh, at tight end uh, in addition to Mike Gesicki. So, I mean, I've actually put this opinion into, into practice as well. Um, in, a, in a dynasty startup uh, this season, Dave, I actually traded uh, my 20. It was a, a, a startup where next year's rookie draft picks were available to me uh, in the startup. So I could trade away my 2022 picks as part of this draft process. And I, I traded away next year's 2022 first for Tua to be my third 
quarterback. Uh, I, I don't really love next year's quarterback class. And I just thought that was a really interesting way to spend that pick uh, a year early and, you know, see, I mean, if he, if he's going to take a step forward, he's going to take a big step forward with the type of talent that they added here. I will assign this. I I'll definitely assign this. I mean, maybe a three or a four because it went all the way from, man, is he really even really the, like, like the long-term answer to, okay, all right, they're going to give him his first contract and he's got a lot of talent around him. So I think this was really impactful. Yeah, me too. I'm going to give this a four, uh, especially because it is such an interesting combination of players. And I think both of these guys are really, really good players. And, you know, I kind of went out on a bit of a limb and I was so high on Jalen Waddle, you know, carried him at wide receiver two for me for a very long time. I still think there's a super compelling argument for him as the second wide receiver in this class. So you pair him with Will Fuller, this is an organization that I think is really taking steps to try and trend in the right direction. I'm going to assign this one a four. That does take us to the end of this episode. So quick reminder, definitely uh, go to Rotoviz, use the promo code um, RVRADIO2021 at checkout to get 10% off of a one-year subscription. We'll see you on Friday. Thanks for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Email us at RotovizFFShow at gmail.com. Visit rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information on listener only discounts. And until next time, thanks for stopping by. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.